Ready to start talking to your kids about financial literacy? Meet Greenlight, the debit card and money app that teaches kids and teens how to earn, save, spend wisely, and invest with your guardrails in place. Parents can send instant money transfers, automate allowance, and more. Plus, keep an eye on spending with real-time notifications. Join more than 6 million families building healthy financial habits together on Greenlight. Get your first month free at greenlight.com slash odyssey. That's greenlight.com slash odyssey. Rattled and Shook is released weekly, every Thursday, and brought to you absolutely free. But if you want to listen ad-free, subscribe to Tenderfoot Plus at tenderfootplus.com or on Apple Podcasts. You'll also get exclusive bonus episodes. For more information, check out the show notes. Now, enjoy the episode. And now, presenting Rattled and Shook. I'm April. And I'm Meredith. And this is Rattled and Shook, a podcast where we tune into scary stories and discuss our deepest, darkest fears, but in a fun way. So we know it was last week, but we've got some Thanksgiving-themed stories for you. Think of them like leftovers. Let's hear the first one. Every Thanksgiving and Christmas, we would go to our grandparents' house. My grandparents had a really small farm located in a small hollow. It wasn't a commercial farm, just something that they had to support themselves. However, when they got older and it was more difficult for them to maintain the farm, they quit using the barn. It just sort of sat there and was mainly used as a storage area. This particular story took place on Thanksgiving. I was 15 years old, and that's the age where I began to not enjoy hanging out with the adults in my family. Suddenly, listening to the stories of when I was a kid or when my parents were kids was just not that entertaining to me anymore. We had Thanksgiving dinner early. It was about 2 p.m. Afterward, I was beginning to feel a bit antsy. I let my parents know that I was going to go and explore the hollow a little bit. It had been a while since I had done that. I didn't even think of asking my younger brother and sister if they wanted to go. Honestly, I felt like being by myself. I knew I didn't really have a lot of time to explore before it got dark, so I set out and made sure I knew how far I could go and still get back before the sun had set. I didn't do the greatest job at it though. If you've ever been out exploring in the woods, you might know what I mean. You can easily get swept up in the woods and lose track of time. It got very, very dark before I was anywhere close to being home. By the time I got back to the farm, it had been dark for at least an hour. I had never been out by the old barn when it was this dark outside. It looked incredibly creepy. Being a curious teenage boy, I, of course, was intrigued by scary things. The thought then occurred to me that if the barn was this creepy looking on the outside, it must be really creepy on the inside. I decided to check it out. Getting into the barn was simple. My grandparents rarely locked the door to their house, much less thought about locking the barn. 
They lived in a really safe area where crime was pretty much unheard of. The barn did have one of those heavy wooden locks on it. I honestly have no idea what they're called, but I was able to pull the wooden beam up. When I opened the barn door, it made a horribly loud creaking noise. I knew my grandparents had likely not been in the barn for years, so I was surprised I was able to get the door open at all. I figured the hinges would be rusted shut. Even when the barn was in use, my grandparents would only work in it during the daytime, so there was absolutely no light. Thank God that I live in the era of smartphones though, because of course, I had a flashlight with me on my phone. I turned on the flashlight and just marveled at the creepiness. The dark was creepy, but just that minor amount of light made it much creepier. I was fascinated by all the tools, so many sharp instruments. Most of them were hanging up. However, there was a small hatchet lying on a workbench. It was discolored, and on closer inspection, I realized that it was coated. It looked like dry blood. I don't know much about slaughtering animals, but I knew that my grandparents used to do it often, chickens and pigs and stuff. So I figured that the hatchet was used for that purpose and they just never cleaned it. The barn had a loft that was filled with hay. I decided to climb the ladder and check it out. When I was shining the light around, it reflected off of something buried in the hay. I was wondering if it was another tool or something, I went over to it and began moving the hay. I screamed when I found the empty eye sockets of a long, dead corpse staring directly at me. I stumbled backwards and nearly fell off the loft. I quickly scrambled down the ladder and ran out of the barn without closing the door. I rushed into the house and told my parents and grandparents about what I had seen. My father, a huge man, like Hulk Hogan-sized, really went out to confirm what I told him. My grandparents phoned the sheriff's office. The body had been in the loft for about three years. It had several hatchet wounds on it that police had told us were caused by the hatchet I had seen on the bench. The same hatchet I had picked up. So not only had I found a dead body that night, but I had held an actual murder weapon in my hand. It was truly disturbing to me, but it wasn't nearly as disturbing as the realization that my grandparents had lived in the house for three years without knowing a dead body was out back in their barn. No one was ever caught, and to this day, we have no idea who killed that man or why. Freaky stuff. Um, feel, you know, sorry that someone had to lose their life for this story. But oh no. Sorry, it, it is a tragic Not the horror podcast guild. It's a tragic thing, yeah. I well, yeah, kind of. It's like, wow, that's a good one. Dead body. But you know, we found this story underneath like true scary stories. Mm -hmm. So actually in that case, like yeah, I can tap into feeling sad, but I'm I'm also I never know what's I know. true and what's not true. Right. But if it is true, then all I have to say is 
I mean, the grandparents look pretty guilty. Well, okay, that's the thing. I just feel like this raises a lot of questions, which is one, how were the grandparents never even suspected or implicated in any way? Like, well, we didn't really get that far, you know? I'm, right. If this is a true story, I would hope that they would have done an investigation. Um, true. And definitely looked into the people whose property it was. I mean, I would hope so. But like, I think the way it was, you know, discussed afterwards was basically like, well, I guess some rando came by and murdered this man. Well, we'll just take it away. That's what the grandson wants to believe. Yeah. <laughs> but I do really like the, uh, I'm saying like, I do really, okay, like the angle <laughs> that <laughs> the grant, like the creepy grandparents that are like, oh my God, we, we haven't been using the barn, Mm-hmm. you know? We haven't been using the meat cleaver. What are you talking about? We had what? no idea. What barn? Yeah. Oh, that old thing? Yeah, that's the thing. Is like, have they really not stepped foot in this barn for three years? There would be a scent. That's my other question. There has got to be some kind of funky smell going on in there. Like, there's got to be some funk. Especially if it was just amongst hay. You know, if a body was just amongst hay, it, you know, yeah. it wasn't buried. There wasn't any sort of like preservation mm -hmm. process going on. Have you ever heard someone describe like a dead body as it smells like a mushrooms almost? I haven't heard mushroom before, but I have heard that it's like a very unusual and distinctive smell. Like you'll never yes. smell anything else like it. Yeah. This actually led me down a mini rabbit hole. I did start looking up how fast a body would decompose if it's exposed to the elements. <laughs> That's a normal Google. Yeah, I think so. Um, I think if exposed to the elements, it could take like up to five to seven years to fully reach a skeleton phase. Yeah, I think that's true. Did What did they say? It was three years? Yeah. I do agree that there would be a scent for quite some time, but I'm almost wondering like if this is... I don't, did they say it was New England? Maybe I was just imagining it there. But if this was like a not insulated barn with no electricity, no lights, like they said, mm -hmm. if it gone through three three cycles of the seasons, I, I wonder if it would have kind of sped up the not smelling process. Right. It would break down faster for sure. But he found it. He found it where I think in, in the cold, you know, wasn't it? It's Thanksgiving. Yeah. If anyone actually knows. Yeah, weigh in. <laughs> Anybody who would know more about this, because I tried and I found different answers everywhere. But please have a non-creepy reason for why you know this. <laughs> please give some kind of realistic backstory for why you were non-threatening. So what are your other questions? I mean, I think those are the main things. was like, how are the grandparents? We're, we're not even going to suspect the grandparents in any way. I am. And they never stepped foot. No one ever stepped foot in that barn. In three years? Well, okay, let's give them the benefit of the doubt. Let's give them the benefit of the doubt. Let's say they can't climb the ladder anymore. They've lost their sense of smell. <laughs> Possible. Um, they had long COVID. Now, a word from our sponsors. 
Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Want to teach your kids financial literacy but not sure where to start? Greenlight can help. With Greenlight, parents can keep an eye on kids' spending and saving, while kids and teens use a card of their own to build money confidence. As a parent, you can send instant money transfers, set up chores, automate allowance, and more. It's a convenient way to run your household, customized to your family's needs, and the easy way to raise financially smart kids. Get started with Greenlight today and get your first month free at greenlight.com slash odyssey. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Let's tune in to another story. I want this story to be anonymous, so I'm not even going to tell you where it happened. What I will tell you is that the city it happened in has a really large Thanksgiving Day parade every year. I'd never been to it before, but I always watched it on TV. I went ahead and decided to go one year. I couldn't find anyone who wanted to go with me. None of my family or friends wanted to spend Thanksgiving standing in the cold, I guess. By the time I got to the parade route, it was already really packed. I was worried I wouldn't be able to see that well. I'm not particularly tall, but I was able to find a spot behind another group of people that would give me a pretty good view of the parade. I hadn't been there very long when I noticed someone who just caught my eye. I can't say there was anything unusual about him, really. He was rather big, a little unkempt. There was just something about him. I found myself continuously looking over at him. A few times, he caught me looking. As most people would do when they're caught staring, I quickly looked away each time. But even so, my curiosity got to me eventually, and I started looking in his direction again. I resolved to try even harder not to look, but that just made it worse. After a while, I couldn't help it. I looked back at the man again, and noticed that he was closer to me than he had been before. I didn't think much of it at first, because we were in a big crowd watching a parade. People moving around in the crowd wasn't unusual, per se but every time I glanced over at him, he was closer and closer to me. 
He was doing it casually, though, sneaking his way around other people. But he was definitely coming in my direction. To test and see what he would do, I made my own way through the crowd, toward the back of the sidewalk. When I glanced over at him, he had switched his course so that he was still coming towards me. I was now convinced that he was following me, and I was mildly alarmed. However, I kept telling myself that it wasn't anything to worry about. I was at a parade with thousands of people. If the guy was going to try anything, he would be caught pretty quickly. I guess that's the problem with assumptions, though. They really don't take all possible scenarios into account. The man did make his way over. There was only one person separating us when he stopped and went back to looking at the parade. I relaxed a bit, but when the man separating us moved, the guy moved right up against me. I was about to move before I felt something sharp against my back. A knife. Probably because we were in a big crowd, he was able to hide the fact that he was holding it up against my back. To any bystanders, he just looked like another guy in the crowd watching the parade. He asked me why I was staring at him. I was too scared to speak at first, but when he asked me again and moved the knife, I apologized, telling him that I didn't mean to stare. I didn't know why I was looking at him. He told me that he didn't believe me. And then, he asked how much McMahon was paying me. I had no idea what he was talking about or who McMahon was, but he didn't believe me. He kept pushing on the knife and told me I'd better tell him the truth. I heard my voice crack, and I pled to the guy to leave me alone, that I didn't know what he was talking about. I guess my words were somehow heard over the noise of the parade, because two guys looked at us and then asked the guy what was going on here. I really thought the man was going to just stab me then and there, but I guess he figured that he would never be able to do it and then get away in the crowd. He slipped the knife away, didn't answer the two men, and took off. They didn't go after him, they just made sure I was alright. To this day, I have no idea who McMahon is, but I've learned my lesson. I'm a lot more careful about staring at people now. Glad you're safe, whoever you are. <laughs> Glad McMahon didn't get you. Yes. Honestly, when I first read this, I was like, I kind of laughed at that because I was like, McMahon? McMahon? <laughs> it is a hilarious name for the boss. <laughs> yeah. You know, the final boss is McMahon. <laughs> that's, that's comical. Mm -hmm. So I love how this story opens up and he's like, there's a town with a Thanksgiving parade. That's a big deal. I'm not going to tell you where it is. And I'm like, New York City? <laughs> Some would say the city that never sleeps, but I will not name it. <laughs> I'm pretty sure you're talking about the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. Mm -hmm. It's pretty obvious. <laughs> I just love how he's like, I want to remain anonymous. So I'm not going to say it's in the city of millions of people, <laughs> New York, <laughs> just in case someone finds me. Yeah. Do you watch the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade? We usually have it on, like, in the background every year. <laughs> Same. But um, I did attend the parade one year. You did? 
And I knew from the beginning that it was a mistake. <laughs> it, unless you have like prime real estate along the parade route, someone's cousin has an office window that overlooks it or an apartment window. Mm -hmm. That's the only time you go to watch the Macy's Day Thanksgiving Thanksgiving Day Parade. I know. I call it the Macy's Day, Day Parade, Parade too. <laughs> I always call it the Macy's Day Parade. <laughs> I love Macy's Day. But um, so much turkey. <laughs> I it's always on the background for my family too mm -hmm. on Thanksgiving. I like. I'm like. I'm the one that's intense about that. I'm like. It's not. Yeah. Thanksgiving unless the Macy's Parade is on in the it's background. It's got to be on. <laughs> You're not really watching it, but it's. You're not really be on. watching it. The musical performances are pretty bad and really fake. Yes. You got to watch those people lip sync to Santa Baby. But I got to see Santa rolling every year. I got to see Santa rolling. It's, yeah, it's the main event. And then the real main event is the subsequent dog show. <gasps> wait, Puppy Bowl? No, 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 no. Like the the dog show. Wait, wait, dog show? What are we talking about? You don't know? What? No. <laughs> <laughs> wait. You don't keep the channel on right after the thanksgiving parade there is a dog show after yeah it's the national dog show it's like right after the macy's parade <laughs> wait so do you have the thanksgiving parade on in the background but then when the dog show comes on you're like everybody shut up i feel like the commentary on the dog show is more frequent than the commentary on the macy's parade because <laughs> it's like what are you gonna say you're like oh look the, there's a minions balloon this year but yeah. when the dog show comes on we're like Wow, that Whippet has really good form. Is that a move or a dog? It's a dog that has the face of Dobby the Elf from Harry Potter. It's kind of got like big ears and like a really thin face. Or That sounds terrifying. Kind of looks like a baby deer. <laughs> a baby deer with Dobby the Elf's face? No, thank you. Whippet dog breed. I'm going to send you a picture. Oh, okay. That's way cuter than you're describing. <laughs> okay. I th they look, they're like it's graceful a little baby deers. I can see the deer... Yeah. Okay. I kind of see the Dobby. Yeah, they got they got little elf faces. Oh, the ears are really cute. Very cute. Back to the parade. Well, okay. So I, I think what this plays into, and what I experienced when I went to my parade, it's just like immediate claustrophobia in extreme crowds. Mm -hmm. I actually just attended the Halloween. Is it a parade? Is it considered a parade in West Hollywood? I think so. The Halloween parade. Yeah. And I was walking with my friends and it was mostly fine, but there was one area where there's this main stage and we had to walk through the crowd and it was like a sardine can. And I was like, if anything happened right now and people started running, I would get trampled. Mm. Like, that's what I start thinking. Yeah. Everyone's taller than me. I hate crowds too. Yeah. It's the worst. The thing is you do have height, so that's a little better. I got height on my side. And you've seen me. I cut through crowds. <laughs> oh, you do. You speed through crowds. Yeah. I walk with intention. I would too when I would live in New York, but I'm old and slow now. So, <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, that's that's the sense that I get from this story is that kind of like claustrophobic feeling because he's talking about how the guy who's coming towards him is like, well, he couldn't get away easily if he did hurt me. But I'm like, but you couldn't get away easily if he was trying to hurt you. And I'm sorry. <laughs> you know? This this man brought it on himself. Don't stare. <laughs> like, to me, this story had this funny energy of like two hitmen that are both assigned to get the other guy. Yeah. You know, where they're just, it just felt like a farce where they're just uh -huh. looking at each other thinking, is that the guy? Is that the guy? <laughs> 
and the other guy's thinking, is that the guy? You know, it just felt like this could just be avoided if you looked at the parade <laughs> or anything else. Mm-hmm. That's something I think you get trained to do when living mm-hmm, mm-hmm. in a city. Yeah. Um, you know, who knows what city this guy was living in, but... Uh... It's New York. <laughs> I do not. I make it a, a purpose. Yeah. It's actually kind of bad. I don't think it's a good human quality where like when I'm out and about and I'm in a guarded mood, Mm -hmm. I am somehow scanning everything while not looking directly at anything. (laughs) I'm kind of the same way. Like people will say, did you see that person? Or, oh, that was a celebrity. Did you see them? Nope. I looked right through them. I don't make eye contact with people. Honestly, it's kind of a survival skill, I think, for like living in a city. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. If you make direct eye contact with someone... There's a fear that you're inviting something. Especially because you lived in New York. That's the, they're like the kings and queens of that. Yeah. It's like, I know where this shape of a person is right now. And that's enough. Mm -hmm. Not that, you know, like we joke that this is his fault. But if someone wants to hurt you, they're going to try to hurt you. You know? No, it's his fault. And now, more words from more sponsors. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. This next story comes out of nowhere. I found going to college right out of high school to be intimidating. I came from a small town, then went to a huge college with an enrollment of over 50,000 students. It was crazy to me how active the campus was all the time. If I thought that was a culture shock, though, it was nothing compared to what happened during Thanksgiving break. I didn't have enough money to travel home, so I remained in my dorm room alone during the break. I didn't realize that this would make me one of the few people left, not only in the dorm building, but on the entire campus. What had so recently been a metropolis of people became a ghost town. If the loneliness wasn't enough, a snowstorm hit the night before Thanksgiving. I recall waking up in the morning around 7 a.m. and looking across a completely barren and desolate campus. Now, I suppose this doesn't seem weird at all, but it was really a complete shock to me. 
Honestly, I spent the entire day on Wednesday in my dorm room, looking out over the campus. I didn't even have the nerve to go out. However, I guess I began to get stir-crazy on Thanksgiving. I had gotten myself a frozen turkey dinner that I was going to make in the microwave, but I really wanted to get out. There was a Denny's on campus, so I thought that I would go over there and have dinner. The dinner went fine, but I became uneasy because there was another guy in the restaurant that wouldn't stop staring at me. It made me uncomfortable. I normally like to take my time at a restaurant, but I couldn't bring myself to do that here. So, immediately after I was done, I left. Walking home, I nervously kept looking over my shoulder. It didn't take long before I noticed that that guy was following me, and he was walking faster than I was. By the time I'd gotten to the dormitory doorway, he was already up the front steps. He called for me to hold the door for him, but I didn't. He seemed pretty old for a person to be living in the dorms. And if he was a student, he would have an electronic keycard that would let him in. I looked back as I went up the stairs and saw him standing in the foyer. I'm not sure how much later it was, but I heard a knocking at my door. I got up and looked out the peephole and was horrified to see the man from outside standing in front of my door. I wasn't sure how he'd gotten in or how he'd found my room. Rather than acknowledge him, however, I went back to my desk, quietly. He knocked a few more times and then left. About five hours later, I heard another knock at the door. At first, I expected it to be that man again. However, when I looked through the people, it was the campus police. I let them in. One of the other students in my dorm had gotten attacked earlier in the day, and they wanted to know if I had seen anything suspicious. I explained my experience to them. They said that they had arrested the suspect and that I had to go with them to see if I could identify the person. It was indeed the man who had followed me home from Denny's. He apparently had gone door to door, knocking, not knowing where I was. He eventually came across someone that opened the door, and the person who did paid a terrible price. It could have been me. Classic, classic woman being followed story. Mm-hmm. Scary stuff. Always hits. I like how she sets this up, how she describes the desolate remote campus. It's a great setup for any type of scary story. Mm-hmm. It reminds me of this movie, The Black Coat's Daughter, and it's set on like a remote, desolate college campus mm. in the snow in the wintertime, and there's only two girls left at the college. Ooh, and what's this called? Yeah, uh, Black Coat's Daughter. What's the second word you're saying? Coat. Black Coat. Yeah. Coat. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why I, I wasn't getting that. <laughs> but it's a similar setting. It's super eerie, super creepy. It's a bit of a slow burn, but I think it's really good. It's directed by Osgood Perkins, who is Anthony Perkins' son. Oh. Of... Norman Bates. Love Anthony Perkins. Psycho. Yeah. 
actually, that's a good recommendation for you. For me, I, already, yeah. I I like. Oh, it's it's Kieran and Shivka and Emma Roberts. Yes, I love mm-hmm. Kieran and Shivka. She's great. Sabrina. Yep. I watched Sabrina for a yep, while. I did yeah. too. I watched I watched Sabrina for a while as well. Um, but yeah, that's that's my recommendation. That looks good. <laughs> yeah, I like I yeah. like it. That looks like Dark Academia. Sure. Whenever I think Dark Academia, I just think of it like a library. Dark walls, books, wood, yeah, fire. Dark Academia can take a lot of different forms. Like mm-hmm. Harry Potter's Dark Academia. Yeah. Um even I'd say like Dead Poet Society fits in that category because mm-hmm. it's very old school wood paneling yeah one of my favorite books is the secret history by donna tart oh do you know who, do you know that. that book okay it's great i it's definitely dark academia and it's one of those things where i think people have really wanted to adapt it into a movie for years but mm-hmm. it's never happened it's like passed through a bunch of hands i don't even know if it'll ever happen um, but if anyone likes dark academia and kind of like mysteries and anything that kind of feels like dead poet society, but maybe a little bit blood oathy and like with Ooh. the dark side, I would highly recommend The Secret History. That is a good book. It's kind of got like a little bit of a mysterious whodunit psycho thriller nature to it. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. Yeah. A little culty. When you said blood oath, I was like, yeah, kind of. It's a little bit like it's a little bit secret society ish, but not in Mm, like a mm -hmm. I'm not talking like in a corny soap opera way. I mean, like in a way that feels like kind of like creepy grounded. Yeah. Um, Yeah. As soon as you brought this up, I just thought in Omnia Paratus. Oh, yeah. Gilmore Girls. (laughs) What are they? Gilmore Girls had a streak of um, (laughs) the life and death brigade. Yeah. Yeah. A streak of dark academia. Wow, I love that we're getting into dark academia. Maybe we can find some more stories in that vein. I would love that too, yeah. So um, since you spent time in New York and went to school in a city, have you ever been followed? Yeah, I mean, there's one time in particular I had come out of my off-campus apartment and was walking to campus, which was not far away. There weren't many people around because I was going to an early class. But I walked past this person. I felt him look up and stare at me as I walked past. You know, when you see just the head turn. Mm-hmm. And then towards the end of that block to that corner, I hear the person get up and start walking in my direction. So I turn a corner and I do this thing where if I think I'm being followed or I want to make sure I'm not being followed, I will switch sides of the street so that mm-hmm. I can look both ways try to spot the person without being too obvious you know definitely have used that technique too yeah so i was kind of doing that and he just like was always there every corner i turned every time i crossed the street he was there and then i got to campus and at that point there were enough students around where i was like okay i'm gonna just like hop into one of these buildings (laughs) you never know for sure but i felt that fear of, oh, this is really happening. Mm-hmm. This is someone following me. Um, and then there have been other times where it's just like, you live in the city, so you get screamed at by random people. I got chased by a toilet. <laughs> yeah, what? I'm sorry. I once got chased by a person dressed as a toilet uh, in Times Square when I was <laughs> going to my internship. That's the most Times Square thing I've ever heard. <laughs> Yeah, he was dressed as a toilet in front of, I think it was the Charmin store. 
Oh. And I saw him laugh. Was he chasing you to like come buy toilet paper? No. I think he got mad at me for laughing at him. Oh, I see. You disrespected him. Mm-hmm. I, I looked up, saw him, and it was just so surprising to see that I like openly laughed and then kept walking. And he's like, what? What's funny? What's funny? And at first I thought he was joking, yeah. but then he followed me. He kept following me oh and saying, God. what's funny? And I was like, I'm sorry, man. What an aggressive <laughs> toilet mascot. I know. You must know what comes with this job of dressing like a toilet in Times Square. You're probably going to get laughs. But yeah. Well, I'm sorry those things happened to you. <laughs> truly. I mean, have you? Have I, Yeah, in, in different ways. I, You know what? I was just thinking as you were talking, like, how much on this podcast we casually talk about like kind of creepy things that have happened to us. Mm-hmm. Like how many times has that happened to you? Oh yeah, same, same. And um, it's just such an everyday thing sometimes being a woman and other, it happens to other folks too, but. Yeah, sad God. reality. So casual the way that you tell me about being followed. <laughs> I know. It's nice to know you're not alone, even though I'm sad this happens to other people. Mm-hmm. The dorm one is like in this story, like the dorm room situation is particularly like, oh, like just like gross. Yeah. And just weird. And I don't like it. It's awful. And I don't like that someone was actually hurt by this person. No, no. There was actually a lot of that that kind of went around at my college that I didn't even really like at the time see how bad it was. Mm-hmm. Um, but like people going, you know, people used to not lock their dorm rooms. Like sometimes I didn't lock my dorm room. I definitely had people come into my dorm room in the middle of the night. <gasps> Multiple times. Like on purpose? Or were they just yeah. drunk people who walked in by accident? Um, both. Both. Um, what <laughs> happened? <laughs> I know. I just dropped a bomb, didn't I? I mean, yeah. just, you know, different things. I, I, I don't, you know, I don't know if I'll get into it yet, but. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, it's, it definitely was something where I think when I first came to college, it seemed like this is some, you know, open floor, you know, everyone's friends, like summer camp. Woo. And right. then the longer you're there, you're, the more you're like, okay, I woke like, I don't like when people come in. Uh, I, I don't like when people think this is, you know, a revolving door. Yeah. Or like when boundaries are being cross yeah you you know you don't actually know those people that well when you first get to college right but i think there was a moment that everyone was just like trying so hard to be friends and like living it up and then after a while that kind of gets old and mm-hmm. also i had some stuff stolen out of my dorm room before and then it became like all right lock lock these doors yeah lock these doors i know it, it sucks it sucks that it can't be 24 hour summer camp but college yeah. Learned that the hard way. Yeah. Messed up stuff goes down. Messed up stuff goes down. I never had that experience of like the community of the dorms in college. Mm -hmm. I did prefer that for the most part because I'm not very much, I'm not, uh, I don't join in naturally, (laughs) just generally. (laughs) I like, (laughs) Uh, I like my me time, my me time. Well, thanks for joining me today, April. (laughs) I'm happy to have you with us. Rattled and Shook is a Tenderfoot TV production in partnership with Odyssey. Executive producers are Donald Albright and Payne Lindsay. Co-executive producer is Meredith Stedman. Hosted and produced by April Ruha and Meredith Stedman. 
Lead editor and sound designer is April Ruha. Additional production by Sean Nerney. Production management by Tracy Kaplan and Jordan Foxworthy. Original score by Makeup and Vanity Set. Original art by Puppy Teeth. Follow us on social media at Rattled and Shook.